Locked On Browns, your daily Cleveland Browns podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good evening, everybody. As the nice lady says, your team every day. This is Jeff Lloyd, your host of Locked On Browns. This is your pre-game tailgate edition of Locked On Browns as Sunday the Carolina Panthers venture into First Energy Stadium. It's going to be an interesting one. Uh, you know, uh, Browns coming in off of a loss to Houston. Uh, Carolina was flying high at 6-2, and two, uh, losers of four straight. Tonight we are brought to you by Action Heat. Uh, joined as always now on the pregame show and the postgame show from NFL Spin Zone, Mr. Pete Smith. Uh, we're going to get a couple things early here. Guys, look, tomorrow you have one game. You've got Army-Navy, unless you're watching the FCS playoffs. If you are, God bless you. Some great action there. Uh, Army-Navy game. It's one where you can just sit down and watch a football game, and you don't care about any aspect of it. Uh, it's it just fun. And, you know, look, uh, it, you know, if there's anybody to root for, you know, it, it, it's these young men and everything that they do and the commitments they've made, you know, for now and what's going to entail them for, you know, parts of their lives, if not all of their lives. It, it, it's it's just a great one. And, and the fact that it's always so local to me, it's one for me that's always on the bucket list. In one year, I'm going to find the time to get to go to one of these games. It's it's just such a different atmosphere, and I can only imagine what it's like in-house as opposed to what you could be, you know, in the building. Uh, we're going to start here, though. Look, Heisman Trophy's getting handed out tomorrow night. Uh, I hit Pete earlier with this. I was like, yeah, you know what, We probably I probably want to address this a little bit. Um, seeing as the Memphis offensive line, which would be Pete's selection, doesn't seem to be up for the award. Pete, you can maybe, I'll tell you what, you can give you a little plug for the Memphis offensive line, but uh, Pete picks somebody here. I pick somebody here, and we're going to get into that a little bit. Go ahead, Pete. I don't think Memphis's offensive line should win, but I think it would be great if they sent all five of those dudes to New York, given the fact that they powered Memphis's offense to 285 yards per game on the ground, and they threw for another 248 yards in the air. Every That's insane. They had a couple thousand-yard backs. They just did everything. A couple. So, a couple. <laughs> yeah, I mean, d- don't get me wrong. D- Daryl Henderson is a fantastic player, but they also had 1,000 yards out of Patrick Taylor. They also had 443 yards out of, uh, out of Tony Pollard. So I-, I don't know I don't know who won the Joe Moore Award, if it's even been handed out. They should, but I just think they deserve a ton of recognition because that's an insane amount of production. Um, but the, the most – Again, this is important to always specify what the Heisman's supposed to be. The most outstanding player in the nation uh, was Kyler Murray. And he, you know, there was the joke going into the season that he was going to go put up 310 on, on some teams. And, you know, except he did it. In fact, he almost averaged it. He averaged about 310 yards passing and about 70 rushing per game for this year. And granted, the Big 12, not known for playing a ton of defense. They didn't play the strongest uh, schedule in the nation, but they also had to get every point. It was a lot like when Patrick Mahomes is at Texas Tech. Certainly Oklahoma has more talent uh, in general, but that defense didn't play. Might as well have played with nine. They didn't stop anybody, so you had to get every point out of Kyler Murray in order for them to be good. Uh, He more than did it. Obviously, they're going to the playoff, whether you believe in it or not. But just in terms of most outstanding, I don't think there's any question he was the most outstanding player in the country. Uh, Look, if Pete chose Kyler Murray here, that obviously left me with two choices. Um, 
I, I can't give this award to Tua Tagliavola. Um, there's a couple instances here. Um, the other thing is, first off, you know, Murray, Haskins, everything for these these teams kind of ran through those guys. Murray, more than Haskins, I will give Kyler Murray credit for that, especially seeing as they were supposed to be more of a dynamic team running the ball as well and lost Rodney Anderson. So, you know, giving Pete first choice here, you know, maybe I would have gotten Murray. Haskins, but either way, I think these guys should finish 1-2. Haskins, the 70% completion rating, uh, you know, 47 touchdowns, 8 interceptions. Um, you know, uh, Tagliavola, you know, everybody, oh, well, he didn't play a lot, but but four interceptions. Maybe if he had played more and he wasn't playing with the elite of the elite, you know, those numbers would have been a little bit higher. Um, the other thing where it gives me where for Tua is if Jalen Hurts doesn't come in after Tua got hurt last Saturday, I don't think Alabama wins the SEC championship game. Um, so Jalen Hurts coming in and bailing out Alabama in no way should help Tua Tagliavola win the Heisman. So I, I will make my case for Haskins. I think Murray is certainly worth it because you have to figure in the running aspect. And Haskins, there was really only one game where that kind of became a factor and it was crucial was the Maryland game. Kyler Murray, he was breaking off big runs. You know, almost every other game he got a 60-yard run of some sort and he saw his you know, agility and what he was able to do with it. Um, so if, for me, uh, you know, you know in the sake of what me and Pete have going on here, I'll put Haskins 1, Murray 2, Tagliavola. If it's a flip-flop of, uh, uh, you know, up top between the other two, I, I can certainly understand that. But I can't give to a... And the other thing is, is to take... To give a Heisman to somebody from Alabama, I mean, you can look all over and everybody... You know, the receivers, I mean, every one of these guys, mostly there's three of these guys can be future first-round picks. Uh, along the defense, you're talking three or four guys are going to be first-round picks. Offensive line, you're talking two to three guys will eventually be first-round picks. You throw in Irv Smith as well. It's just, for me to give the, you know, and even is Tua even the best player on Alabama, as good as they are? That's, for me, it's just, you know, it's great that Alabama is this, and this is what they do year in, year out, five-star everywhere, elite everywhere. I, I just can't give the award to Tua Tagliavola knowing what Kyle Murray did knowing what Haskins did. So, you know, for me, it's Haskins. For Pete, it's Kyler Murray. Tagliavola, look, and for me, the final one, and me and Pete were messaging a little bit back and forth during the SEC Championship. He takes a lot of injuries, and you know what? God bless Alabama. They're lucky as hell because a lot of guys like Jalen Hurts would have said, you want to know what? I can go do this somewhere else. You know, he chose to stay. Maybe he didn't want to sit out the year. He's on pace to graduate. He's going to go somewhere else. That's going to be a story when these college football playoffs are over because Jalen Hurts is on target to graduate and he's going to go somewhere else in quarterback for a year. So, you know, you guys have hard feelings on this. Go ahead, Pete, if you got something to say here. Well, there's a couple things. First, uh, Jalen Hurts, uh, you give him a lot of credit, which is, you know, for sticking it out and doing everything he did and, and, and playing extremely well, which is funny because his dad was actively advertising him as the best free agent in college football, <laughs> uh, which sort of flies in the face of this whole story and, and, and got forgotten. Uh, Tua is a fantastic football player. Uh, he's dominant. Uh, but the problem is, what you, what are you talking about? It's the most outstanding player in college football. And Tua was, uh, you know, rarely played in the fourth quarter. It's hard to do, be that great or, or that sort of profound when you're that done. It doesn't mean he wasn't fantastic for the three quarters he played or whatever. Uh, it just means that 
you know, you didn't need him to be in there. And, and, and if Alabama had started Jalen Hurts for 13 games, chances are they win 12 or 13 of those games, which, again, yep. not a knock on Tua, who was outstanding, but it does sort of say to you, if 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 you're not saying he's the most uh, eye-popping in terms of numbers, his efficiency is incredible, you can't. You also can't say he's the most valuable if you're if you're going to try to stretch it into that because you could have gotten effectively to the playoffs and potentially the national championship with the other guy. Um, so I mean, it's that's why it's hard. If you want to play the value game, you take Haskins off Ohio State. Uh, they lose at least three more games. You take uh, Kyler Murray off Oklahoma. God only knows how many games they win. I don't it, even know if they go five hundred. Yeah, or, or they're, they're not they're not winning double digit. Let's put it that way. And you can go as low as you want. I mean, hell, they gave up forty to Kansas. Um, yeah, but without but, without Kyler Murray after the Anderson injury, they're losing to Kansas. They're probably losing. Right. They barely beat you know Texas Tech. They obviously you know barely beat West Virginia. I mean, this is I, I, that's sort of the Murray impact. And and you can talk about how how you feel about his draft prospects. Personally, I think he's well served to go go ahead and go go play for the A's, but yeah, I mean, Tua Tua is going to get the last laugh on this whole thing. Kyler Murray deserves the hardware. Tua is going to likely be you know first first pick of the of his draft, assuming his legs hold up. Uh, so it's there's no shame in, in in finishing second to this type of season. And that's you know kind of the way it goes. And look, every one of these guys, ridiculous effort, ridiculous amount of what they put into this year. But look, there's only going to be win one winner, and that's just the way it goes. Um, I just don't think it should be the guy from Alabama. If it's one of the other two, I, I think you've maybe gotten it right. And Pete was saying the definition of the award is the most outstanding player in college football. And you have to factor in the nearly 800 yards rushing and the big plays that came along with it. And, you know, maybe it's weird that this guy is going to go off and be a center fielder for the Oakland A's. But, you know, at the end of the day, you gave the award to the guy who fit the description. You know, uh, so, you know, so be that as it may. That's the way we're rolling. Guys, it's been done before. Sure. As you well know, your boy, Charlie Ward. Best point, best quarterback in New York at the time. And he was playing point guard for the Knicks. Right. I mean, you know, you you can't think about it's look, I, I completely understand there's this idea that you you would like the Heisman Trophy winner to go be in the NFL. Um, but look, he you can't hold that against him that he's potentially going to go play baseball any more than you could you could hold it against him if he wants to. You know, if he was a Rhodes Scholar like Myron Roll, also from Florida State. God. Or Bryce Love or Bryce Love from Stanford. Right. So. You know, you've got to take it for what it is. And, you know, you're going to look back at this season and go, you're going to talk about this season in terms of what Kyler Murray did as opposed to some of these other guys, even if Tua wins the national championship or Haskins wins the Rose Bowl. Uh, That's, you know, this was the year of Kyler Murray. Uh, 100%. Guys, like we said, this episode is sponsored tonight by Action Heat. Action Heat makes the world's best battery-heated clothing. Heat on demand at the touch of a button. Uh, control your environment with Action Heat. Um, guys, like I mentioned, you guys know I coach. Uh, I do work outdoors. Uh, the upper body wears, whether it's you know, like you know, similar to the North North Face and style jackets, but you've got the control. You've got the button, and you have the batteries. So you hit the button. You need a little extra warmth. Uh, winter's coming, whether it's Ohio, whether it's New Jersey. You're out there in the snow. You're out there in the elements. It gets rough. You need to do everything you can to keep yourself warm and keep yourself protected. Action Heat clothing is engineered to safely and efficiently deliver. 
uh, heat via battery panels, uh, they can reach uh, temperatures of up to 135 degrees and are powered by rechargeable 5-volt lithium-ion batteries that last up to 12 hours on each charge. Action Heat batteries can also be used to recharge your phone or any other gadget while you are wearing them. Uh, perfect for any friend or family member who works outdoors as a holiday gift in the winter. Great for anyone uh, who you know snows, ski boards, things of that. And snow, or, you know, it works out in the snow, skis, ski boarders, anything of that nature. It is fantastic with that. Um, it, you have men's, women's, uh, men's and women's design clothing. They range in all sizes. It will fit children as well. It's just a solid, solid product. We've got a special deal for our listeners to save 20% off your entire order. Just go to actionheat.com slash locked on to check out everything Action Heat has to offer. That's actionheat.com slash locked on. Or use the promo code locked on at your checkout to save, to save 20%. Stay toasty warm while you enjoy all your outdoor activities this winter with Action Heat, and we thank for thank them for their sponsorship of Locks on Browns. Now, Pete, we're going to get here to the ball game on Sunday, and look, this is an interesting test. Um, but like I said earlier, Panthers are coming in here kind of on the skids. Um, you you're figuring out what's going on here. The wide receiver core. You have some young emerging guys. A young emerging guy, whether it be Samuel, obviously the Ohio State product. DJ Moore, a guy, if anybody does not remember, and Pete will be the first to tell you, absolutely loves the draft process, and he is certainly, certainly becoming a factor in finding his way in the league. Uh, you know, Browns, obviously, we know we're going to be without Denzel Ward. We're not really sure about Larry Ogunjobi. There is a risk factor. Uh, look, if his bicep, and when we talked about this Sunday after the game, this usually only goes one of two ways. You either really, really wrecked your bicep, they got to surgically recorrect it, and you go from there, or, you know, it's bruised deeply or something of that nature. So it'll be interesting whether or not Larry suits up, you know, and you, you do have to look. Whether I know you're playoff mathematically still alive, but you do want to get into the fact of, you know, 2019, you know, is he going to be available? How far is he going to be available? But Pete, look, uh, Cam Newton, obviously, you know, banged up shoulder here. Um, you know, the, their offensive line isn't very great. He's been taking a lot of hits. Um, and then there's, look, I mean, there's a lot of ways to go with it, but Christian McCaffrey, he is he is that guy, and you're looking at a guy who potentially and most likely is going to put up 1,000 yards receiving and 1,000 yards rushing. We talk about when we do these pregame shows, who's the guy that scares the daylights out of you, and it's got to be Christian McCaffrey. Right. Uh, I would say it's Christian McCaffrey and, and DJ Moore. Just those two guys, you do not want to let them – uh, loose in space. They 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 are the type of guys that you have to have a plan for. On seven yards play. Seven yards becomes seventy in a heartbeat. Right, and it's you know like you can't simply just say you know this player is going to man up Christian McCaffrey. There's got to be you know basically some sort of box with two guys forcing him into a particular direction. And I think in some ways you have to have the same thought process with DJ Moore. I don't think you risk uh, much in terms of cover zero this week. Let's put it that way. Uh, I think you need to have a guy over the top. Uh, at the same time, I hope they don't do what they did last week and and open those creases where, you know, you let uh, a little dump off go for, you know, 20 yards and extended drive type thing. Um I, I think the guy who scares you the least is is Cam Newton as a passer. Uh, I think whether you want to, you know, the shoulder, whether he needs surgery, whether this is, you know, an excuse for poor play, whatever, it it 
the what comes Sunday, the Browns don't care. Uh, and if you keep him in the pocket and force him to throw, I think your chances of being successful uh, rise significantly if you let him run and let him sort of create space where plays can potentially break down and now he can throw to those guys. That's, I think, the nightmare. And I think, you know, Houston was a good example of that uh, with with Deshaun Watson. And, and I think, you know, we talked about it and hoped for it last week that they do some spy or some sort of second-level second scraping guy that sort of accounts for the quarterback uh, if he's going to find a hole uh, and, and take him out. But that's where I think this game's going to be won and lost on defense. Can you keep Cam Newton in the pocket? And can you basically make him press? which is where he gets himself in trouble. He makes bad decisions with the football. And when he doesn't have, you know, the full arsenal in terms of his arm and the ability to make, you know, some incredible throws as well as the fact that he's wildly inconsistent. Uh, but, you know, it only takes a couple, like two or three of those just throws that nobody on the planet can make other than him on occasion, or maybe a guy like Josh Allen on occasion. Uh, Can't believe you those said are that. Those are what that, well, I mean, look, he, <laughs> Cole Spade is Spade. It's like a one out of 100, uh, you know, it's a 1% chance. But those are the things that, you know, you can lose to Cam Newton for is because he makes some miraculous throw uh, that that just, you know, that one in one million throw that nobody can make and, and you lose the game on that. Those are the things you sort of have to worry about. Well, a couple of things here. Um, and I know uh, when we put this up today, somebody, you know, talked about spying Cam Newton. That's a great premise, but the problem is, is you're still talking about Cam Newton, and Greg Williams gave you a great example of this. He asked Miles Garrett to stand up and said, "This is what we're talking about. This is the size of man we're talking about in Cam Newton." You know, maybe Miles has got a couple of pounds, maybe, but so if you're going to spy him, is this guy going to be strong enough to bring him down? If you're going to spy him, for me, it's only one. It's only one guy. It's probably Jabril. Uh, Joe Schobert can't run with him. Uh, you don't, you know, and look, we're not even, I'm not even going to say, oh, well, this would be a nice week for Jamie Collins to show up because as the games get bigger, it seems, you know, Jamie Collins is just turtling up even more and more and more. So spying him does seem like a great idea, but who do you have to spy a six foot six, I mean, I'll say 265 and maybe I'm being generous quarterback who probably runs, you know, at this point in his career, maybe a, you know, a high four or fives. You do not have that guy. I agree 100% with Pete that you need to, in any pass opportunity, drop as many as you can and show that Cam Newton is going to slice and dice you because that is not normally what he's known for. Uh, one thing here that you're going to have to look out for, Cam Newton over the last couple of years, and it, and look, it is unfair because you know whatever you think about Cam Newton, he is a former MVP and he takes some hellacious hits that if his last name was Manning or Brady or maybe even Roethlisberger, if these guys were taking these hits, and you don't see flags thrown, if these guys were taking these hits, you might see players get tossed. And, you know, it's not his fault that he's as big as he is and plays the position he is. So, and now look, we always see every now and then, you know, the Browns seem to get, do not get the benefit of the doubt as far as these penalties. Are they going to get these called against them? You know whether they're your marginally legal or not. This is something you got to be concerned with here, Pete. Um. Well, you know, I, I think he, he and Baker Mayfield have that in common, and the both are incredibly poorly officiated. And let's but see yes, how it works. I, out. That's I, a really I think in a lot point. of ways, Cam Newton and Miles Garrett are both two of the most poorly officiated players in the league. 
they're a lot like Shaq, and they don't know how to how to deal with it. And and obviously, the fact that Cam Newton runs, the officials give him no benefit of the doubt uh, when it comes to those things. But uh, you know, as it comes to penalties, um, my thought process has been pretty simple: assume you're going to get the penalty, hit him anyway, because especially with a guy like Cam Newton, if you take anything off of it, you may not make the play. Uh, and, and the other guy, and I, I do think Jamie Collins would be a nice option to sort of chase after him. But again, it's more of a second-level scrape type thing as opposed to a pure spy. It's basically attack up, see what's coming, and then find a hole to sort of find him in. But the other if he's guy, go- Exactly. If he's going to run, make sure it's five. Make sure it's not 20. But the other guy who might be good for that would be Jannard Avery uh, and basically have him be that guy who sort of comes up as like a strong strong side linebacker. He steps up, basically sees where things are going to go and just sort of plugs that hole as opposed to being just a pure rusher. But that's just uh, another option for that. But, yeah, I mean, I, I just don't think – I don't think it helps the Browns to play scared in terms of flags – I think you just got to play football, and 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 if it happens, it happens, and you move on. But even if the you know something's called, and, and certainly they've had some heartbreakers in that respect. Look, flag or not, the hit counts, and and at some point, you know whoever it is is ultimately going to think twice about it and and want the beating to stop if you if you chop him. And that doesn't mean dirty. I don't want to see like that Jannard Avery. Well, that I don't also don't want to see Jannard Avery like that late where he's uh-huh. going at the dude's legs or stuff like that. I'm being clean between the whistles, hard football, and and you know if they it's not play dirty, it's make the official make a call, and if if they're going to get you wrong on it, so be it. But that doesn't mean you need to to, to stretch the rules. It's just you're going to force them if if you get a couple boos from your fans because they call play, but you made a good hard hit and they see it, so be it. If you lose because of that. You know that becomes another talking point in the off season with competition committee and all that. But you can't do that in the moment and say, "Well, we're scared of of doing this, this, and this," because that's that attitude loses games. And there's a, any number of times where you've seen this uh, in the last couple of years where they've emphasized this, where guys like you have a pass rush who basically pulls up the quarterback, like sticks his foot in the ground, goes outside. You know, like whether it's a quarterback by the sideline or something like that. And the guy actually tries to do, you know, the non-kill him thing because he's worried about a flag and he gets punished for it. So, you know, if you're going to lose, lose by lose by playing hard football. And well, here and there's one thing with Cam Newton. Um, I don't know if you're going to see him attempting to lower the shoulder um, with the shoulder banged up and all he's been through. I, I don't think that that's one advantage you're going to have when you're bringing him down. I don't think he's going to be looking to do that. Um, and, you know, he's a lot of these guys, you know, they try to get the extra yard, yard and a half with the late slide, and they get themselves in this position. And, you know, that's kind of where Pete's coming from. Look, if you're going to get flagged for it, look, I mean, the guy put you in a position where you had nothing else to do. So, and look, you know, the old make it count, I guess. But look, just don't hit him in the head. I mean, look, if you get him in the upper body because he put you in a position where he slid late, it's just, look, I mean, if he wants to take, you know, a thousand hits, then look, then a thousand and one, it's kind of on him with that. Um, Pete, uh, uh, Breenbody Calhoun, he's going to be interesting here. Obviously now very much in flavor after, you know, there was a period where he was, you know, certainly not a Greg Williams favorite. McCaffrey, DJ Moore, these are guys, and without Denzel, who's shorter, I mean, 
you, you, you having him running with a combination of Moore and, or a combination of McCaffrey, yeah, he's the interesting one, especially with you know Terrence Mitchell being back this week. Right. So that that's going to be a good question: is is who's going to try to cover D, DJ Moore? Because now you've got Terrence, Terrence Mitchell obviously back, uh, but he's. You know he he's obviously been practicing a little bit, but this was like the first. I'm assuming week carry. Forward. I'm assuming carry and Funches is just going to be a thing, and then you got to figure out the rest. Right. So, you know, this is one of those things where obviously having not having Denzel Ward certainly not the situation we want to be in. But but realistically speaking, given the way Carry's played la- the last few weeks against big guys. This actually sort of works for him, and then because and Funch and Funches ain't Funches ain't he is not New Hopkins, and he is certainly not Julio Jones. No, but he is a problem, and he is a guy who can who's another guy who can who can make plays with the ball in his hands. Uh, he's had issues with drops the last few few weeks, in particular, he had a bunch last week. Uh, but if Terrence Mitchell can play, he, he doesn't have to be a star. He just has to play well. Then then they have. You know they're in pretty good hands. I mean, DJ Moore is going to be a monster in this league, but he is still a rookie. Uh, it will be interesting to see how he goes up against a guy who's who's a veteran who can sort of do some of these things. But yeah, I mean, if you have the ability to check some of these guys, uh, whether it's with Jabril Peppers or, or Derek Kindred or somebody like that, where you can just be physical with them and make sure you're you're always getting some getting them with a chip when they're coming off the line or or things of that nature. That that's always going to be helpful for coverage guys. It's it's what you just want to avoid is is basically letting these guys free run, and put them put, be able to put a guy on an island, and then even if you know you 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 cover DJ Moore right nine out of ten times, that tenth time he may catch it and go seventy. That's just how good he is with the ball in his hands. Uh, and Ke- McCaffrey's obviously you know got that that ability from anywhere on the field. He's basically like a you know this. We don't. You know he's obviously not quite Marshall Falk, but that's sort of the comparison he's drawing because he does have a threat. I go more Roger. Craig. I go more. Yeah, Roger, Roger Craig. Craig's. I like Roger Craig's a good, good, uh, a good comparison for that. But just that danger of being a thousand thousand guy who is sort of the more of a not quite a superstar, but just a really, really, really good football player. Guys, this is the Locked On Browns pregame tailgate edition here. Pete Smith uh, from NFL Spin Zone and myself breaking it down. We've given you some, uh, you know, our Heisman cases. Um, I, I think we both agree who should not win it. Uh, you know, I, I don't necessarily disagree with Pete's cho- choice. Uh, I just, I, I can't give it to an Alabama quarterback who is playing with everything that he's playing with. So, you know, you have that. Uh, we're breaking down here. We just finished up with the uh, Panthers offense versus the Browns defense. Uh, like I said, the night show is brought to you by Action Heat. Um, Locked on Cavaliers. Chris Manning uh, doing a fantastic job. Uh, you know, more moves today uh, you know, from the Cavaliers, uh, adding some draft capital, uh, which is what you want to see here. Look, if you are not in it, you better be doing everything you can to make sure within the next year or two you are in it. So Chris Manning, uh, if you want to check it out, I'm sure he's going to cover the trade here today. A fan favorite coming back along with a first-round pick. So e- even if you like Delhi, you always got to like a first-round pick coming back. So check out Chris Manning, Locked On Cavaliers. I'm sure he's going to get some fantastic knowledge on all of that. Now we will shift it on over here, Pete. The Browns offense versus the defense. Look, uh, the one thing... That gets me excited about this game Sunday is I, I, I go back to the Kansas City loss, and then you had the two wins after it. And look, Baker Mayfield responding from a, you know a difficult time or a difficult outing 
and just you saw the second half and and coming in here and look this Carolina defense look you have two great linebackers who have about 975 years of NFL experience so it's going to be interesting how you know he can handle those two but other than that on the Carolina defense and this is what we get back to I'm not sure what really scares you and they should be able to move the ball they should be able to score some points right uh defensive line wise all of their strength is in the middle which you know if you're going to put matches it anywhere up, for the Browns, up for the, 100%. Yeah, I mean, they've, don't get me wrong. They're, they're good football players, and it will be a challenge to run the ball as a result. But, you know, Mario Addison's their biggest threat as an edge rusher. That's, you know, that's not a bad place to be. Uh, but you hit the nail on the head. The linebackers are the problem. And, and what you are concerned with is just – basically them trying to disguise coverage in the way the Texans did, not that they do it the same mm-hmm. way, but just the idea that they're making, you know, Baker think, uh, and, and potentially make mistakes. Uh, they've just got so much speed with those guys. And obviously Keekly being the, the star there and, and the fact that they are a team that blitzes their linebackers. So at, at, this becomes a big challenge for Running backs to make like reads and blitz pickups. It's on Mayfield and, and, and J.C. Treader to make sure that their calls and every the protections are right. And like Greg said, if Baker's not making the right call, Lou Keekley will help him out. Right. So it's one of those things where you have to be right on that standpoint. But post-snap, you know, I, I, I think this becomes a good situation for them. I don't – I think the fact that the Browns don't have a true, you know, superstar-type – receiver actually works for them in this case i I don't suspect dante jackson is going to be covering one special guy that he's trying to take away i mean god bless him put him on you know put him on uh jarvis landry and 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 call it a day we can just have them both sit on the sideline for the entire (laughs) play 10 on 10 (laughs) right so i mean but this does become a situation where you can you know potentially take advantage of the other options Callaway's been playing well hopefully you know had the big mistake but otherwise you know you're seeing a lot from him the last couple weeks and it'll be interesting Uh, it'll be interesting to see him because you know he's gonna be foaming at the mouth knowing that he left two 70-yard touchdowns on a play I mean you know two 70-yard touchdowns in that game on left him without getting them where is he at this week? So it's going to be, you know, we always see Baker with this, with the responding to, you know, a, a poor a, you know, poor play, poor half, poor game. We'll find out a little bit about Antonio Callaway. I mean, if he's in the game plan and featured for it, you want to see him hopefully rebound. The other thing I, I think this is a big week for, and it may not turn out to be a big week statistically, but it's a big week for David Njoku in that he needs to force those linebackers to be aware of him. Like, he needs to be problematic enough that even if he's not getting the ball that he forces those linebackers to think about it he can't just be you know allow himself to be covered by a safety he and needs to demand that attention because if he does and now it becomes a 10 on 9 situation and baker able to use his legs a little bit not that he needs to be running all over the place just that he can extend the play that opens up opportunities for those other guys set the valve uh, being more uh, involved. Hopefully that's something else that they can keep adding into this, that he can do sort of the same thing. But as the more you can get somebody to take attention away, to demand, not even double teams, but just demand attention from other defenders to hopefully give you options in the passing game. Baker has shown, obviously, 
that he can take advantage of that. And it becomes a situation where a guy like Richard Higgins, who's so good at sort of finding holes and making himself available to make plays, and, and a guy like Callaway can sneak behind uh, the defense and, and make that big play, that, that this may be a week where you don't see big stats, but you know those guys sort of are a huge part of the game plan just for what they do. The uh, extension of that is it should hopefully give you some a little bit of an opportunity with the running backs out of the backfield. My concern this week is I don't think this will be a great week for the screen game because those backers are so good and those backers are so fast that they cover so much ground. Luke Keekley and, and those other guys can sniff them out and it becomes sort of a wasted play. So it's either got to be basically double screens or almost like a fake screen to try to go over the top or something like that. I just don't think this becomes a great week for that type of stuff. I think it becomes a big week for, for play action and trying to freeze those guys on reads. You beat, me uh, to it. Just, beat me to it. Play action screens. You know, yeah. belly, belly dives and, you know, get it to the outside. And the other thing, and we've seen this a little bit and, and with Njoku, and if you're trying to create a play just for him, it's that extended read play action thing where you're, you're forcing the defense to make that read, open up a little lane and take those little quick seven-yard plays that he can run for a couple extra type deal. Don't uh, you know, th- those are cheap and easy. And it, again, they just force the defense to be aware of that guy who can move the chains. And look, there's still the Paramount element. There's still the Callaway element. And if we learned anything from, you know, Houston last week is if these linebackers can cover and they can handle that, you know, seven, you know, six yards to 12 yard area, challenge deep. And, and that's what got Baker in a little trouble this past week is they tried to, Go, you know, and maybe it was, you know, and, and this is going to be how it's going to be interesting is because you were worried about the Houston pass rush last week. This week, it's more, it, it's not natural created pass rush. It, it is blitz pass rush. So it'll be interesting how they play that. And, you know, maybe the best opportunity for them is to try and go deep, take a couple of shots early. So where these linebackers are going to have to drop and then you can factor it into it. Um, Duke Johnson, look, uh, you know, look, I, I, terrible for Duke what he's going through. I, I, I have no assumption. I assume he's going to play, Pete. Uh, right? Um, yeah, I, I, I can't imagine he's, you know. I mean, I know Jeff Risden. They focused on this and they mentioned it over on Brian Brown's wire. But you know, I mean, you know, you're, you know, you'll play Sunday, go home, and you know, take care of business. I guess, right? Well, I mean, he's he's taken a couple days off already uh, that were excused. Uh, my understanding is he's back, so I assume this was part of the process that he wanted to do this. So it may be, like you said, that you know he went home for a couple days. Uh, uh, you know, the, the passing of his grandmother, uh, that he may go go ahead and play, then basically fly home that night, uh, and and you know whenever the services uh, are and be able to do that. Um, but yeah, that becomes. And it's always you know, interesting, though, when a when a guy like him is going through what he's going through. I mean, I mean, we have seen so many times in the NFL where a guy is kind of at a low point in his personal life, gets that three hours, sixty minutes of football, and Duke. I mean, you could we could end up with a Duke monster performance here somehow Sunday. Right, and and I think Duke Johnson has has been one of those guys. You know, he's very. I think he. Car- compartmentalizes pretty well uh his feelings during certain things uh he's not a he's a guy who says a lot without saying much uh very 
tight to the vest. So, you know, I, I don't think, you know, he's a guy who's going to sort of let you know, you know, that, that it's bothering him. But, but this does present itself as an opportunity for him to, you know, remind people how good he is uh, in, a, in a game like this. And, and certainly he can, he's another guy who can put stress on linebackers, even if the, as good as Carolinas are, that he's a guy who's really tough to defend one-on-one, that you can create opportunities for him, that you can, you know, try to wheel him out and, and go deep. Uh, but the, the last thing I'll say with Baker Mayfield is similar to last week where we stressed patience and being willing to let drives end in kicks because, you know, you're going to have possessions and this, you know, they, you're not likely to be in a, in a huge score fest. Uh, obviously, last week he was impatient. He started forcing things, especially as the half wore on, and that's what dug the hole. Uh, we can hope that you know, you know. Obviously, uh, he he is incredibly intelligent. He, he seemed to adapt and evolved basically through the course of that game. That hopefully that lesson carries over, and he doesn't feel the need to sort of force it. That that you know, as long as you know you're in the game, you're, he's got the t- chance to win it. Uh, and and what that can have happen. So it's not the end of the world if you got to punt. Trust your defense that they're going to get you the ball back, and and, and that you're always going to be have an opportunity to win. If he does that, I do think the Browns uh, should win this game uh, and, and could potentially take advantage of a, a Panthers team that's very uh, that it's definitely teetering uh, and and potentially knock them out uh, for their playoff run. And, you know, I will, you know, we're going to start to put a bow on this show, but that is where I'm at. Uh, guys, look, you know, and, you know, some of you get on me a little bit and I, you know, haven't, you know, I'm not going to come out week in, week out. I'm going to give you my honest opinion. I think the Browns should win this game. Uh, I do believe they should be able to do enough offensively. The key is going to be is get the ball when you're throwing it, get it vertically. You do not want to challenge the 8 to 15 Go deep. You need chunk plays here. I do believe you can run the ball on this team. It's going to be more Novocaine-like where it's going to be, you know, three, four, five, six, maybe, you know, some Carlos Hyde-type runs. And uh, if you guys saw him last night on Thursday Night Football, he looks stellar on that screen pass. If anything that you saw, that was familiar, guys. But um, I think they should win this game. I'd be stunned if they wouldn't. I mean, if it was in Carolina and it was, you know, maybe, maybe something would be a little bit different. But the way Carolina is trending downward, they are certainly not trending upward. And even the Browns, at the, with the record that they are, they I still believe this product is trending upward. I think Miles Garrett should. We're talking about a two sack day, if not more. Um, the tricky part's going to be when you know Pete said maybe that Jannard Avery could be a spy if Larry Ogunjobi can't can't play. You're kicking Emmanuel Ogba inside. Jannard Avery's going to take a lot of reps. At the outside, you know, you know, as a rusher and Chris Smith as well, and then you're talking maybe a little bit more, you know, Tanner Vallejo, which is, you know, that's just a roller coaster in a glass. I mean, he's snooky for God's sakes. He's bad. He's bad. Let's just say he's bad. (laughs) He drives me insane. He's a special teamer. He's a special teamer. You're trying to fit into your defense. God bless him. He's trying. There's just not that much there. (laughs) And look, and that's how you end up finding a guy, you know, who was cut, uh, you know, over Labor Day weekend. And, and and to be fair to Tanner Vallejo, he was never brought here to be a linebacker for this. Team. No, that's that's important to note. He was, you know, he is a special teams guy. But this is, you know, this is what happens when you get injuries and and you start dealing with stuff. Is the and, guys put Johnny on the spot? Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. 
but you know he becomes an opportunity for him to have you know make 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 a, a statement that he should be more than that. Uh, it's not that he's been bad every week. He's been okay on some weeks. It just yep. it's hasn't been great. Well, and I also think part of it is is when you're asking more of Tanner Vallejo and putting more on his plate, that's when you kind of get to the you get a little nervous, you know. Well, that, it's just one of those things where like. If you're the Carolina Panthers, what are you trying to do in this game? You're trying to find a way to get Christian McCaffrey on Tanner Vallejo. That's, that's the game. You're, you're, you're trying to find a way to make that happen. If it does, you know, whatever play you were in, you're checking out of it to go to that. So, I mean, that's that's going to be the, the chess match is, is how can Carolina, if it's not a Cam Newton game, and it shouldn't be in terms of, you know, being you – know, Whatever you want to call him, Superman, I I wouldn't, but some some low grade superhero that <laughs> this is a Christian McCaffrey game, and, and you're going to find any way to sort of find that matchup you like, and if you know they're going to try to find the worst possible player, like you don't want to find McCaffrey on Derek Kindred, you don't want to find McCaffrey on Tanner Vallejo, uh, you probably don't want to find uh, McCaffrey on on Jamie Collins, like this is. A lot of this is, you know, this doesn't really, you know, jive with Greg Williams. He's a guy who wants to dictate. Uh, this, to me, seems like a game where you've got to be a little more reactionary and that you've got to make sure you're constantly looking to protect yourself from that situation, from getting a guy who can score from anywhere on the field on, you know, a defender that just can't deal with him. All right, Pete, and you're out on Ohio. What are we looking at weather-wise? Oh, it's uh, every every day is it, it's it's something different. It's supposed to be not too bad for game day. Uh, I, I cold, but not you know not slick and and icy and all that stuff. Uh, you know, obviously the 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 issue they've had during practice this week is the, is the field the outside field has been slick, so they've gone inside. Uh, well, but- and guys, if nobody understands, once you tear up grass this time of year, there's nothing you can do. That's it. You've got dirt. That's it. You've got dirt until spring, until you can start putting grass down again. Well, that, but I mean, the other part of this is obviously the field is heated. I mean, like, don't get me wrong. But it's heated dirt. (laughs) Well, don't, yes. It just means it's not frozen dirt, which, you know, certainly (laughs) preferable. But yeah, I mean, let's let's be honest. Cleveland Brown Stadium has some of the worst sod the NFL uh, it's been ugly this year. So I think they, I think they buy it at like Lowe's on the discount rack. It's like the I think it was week two where it was like you don't it, it, it was like uh, after the Jets game because remember it was all the rain that was going on yes, midweeks that they it, couldn't it do just anything. It looked like an absolute dump. Uh, it just not it didn't did not look remotely professional. So yeah, I mean, like I said, it, it, if it's not slick, I think it should be okay. Uh, I think that that should be something they can avoid. Uh, so hopefully that will, you know, allow Chubb to be Chubb because, listen, I don't care who they've got. Nick Chubb is a threat to, to on anybody. And, and if nothing else, Houston should have learned that uh, you, you don't you don't try to arm tackle this young man because he's just going to run right through it. So, I mean, uh, he's, he's gotten to that point where, uh, you know, it, it may be 30, 30 carries for 30 yards, but he may catch two passes and take those for 50. He's going to get his one way or the other. Uh, ever since he's sort of found his way as a as receiving threat, it, it's become now where both he and Mayfield, are, are, are as rookies, are already – they're going to get their numbers. It's a question of where, where it's going to go for the team. 
Exactly. They have become the dudes. Guys, this has been your Locked On Browns pregame tailgate edition. NFL uh, Spin Zones, Pete Smith here. Uh, you know, we, we, we're, we've been enjoying this, and, and it seems a lot of times, and we joke during the games that, oh, hey, well, we hit on this, we hit on this. Ooh, we kind of missed on that. Uh, you know, as, as the games go on, we will have the postgame show for you Sunday night. Um, guys, uh, you know, we, we're putting together, we put together another solid week here. Whether it was the postgame show with Pete, look, you know, it's st- that still did a, a, a solid review here, and I appreciate you guys for with that. Um, you got your PFF show. You got your crossover Wednesdays with Bill Rossetti, who covers Locked On Panthers. Uh, you know the Eric Metcalf show. That was an absolute blast to do. If you guys haven't gotten to that yet, please do so. Uh, you know, last night we sat down with Trevor Sakema, and this has become a thing here. And now uh, you saw it today with uh, the young man Yannick Kajust out of West Virginia. He's not going to play in his bowl game, guys. You got to respect these guys for this. And and for those of you who don't understand it, maybe you never will. But uh, you know, these guys are t- tra- talking about changing their family's culture, their family's lives, it's an important topic and it's not going to stop and it's going to maybe eventually reach the NCAA playoffs and it's going to reach maybe a quarterback saying, I'm going to tap out here. I just have to for the better good of my family and the better good of my own personal life going forward. Uh, you've gotten your pre- uh, pregame tailgate show here with me and Pete. Uh, we will, Like I said, we'll have the postgame uh, for you right after the gun on Sunday. Um, guys, look, Pete agrees. I agree. This is a winnable game. You should walk out of here with a W. Don't screw this up. And this is even without Denzel Ward. The, a key will be here, Larry Ogunjobi. You want to take this game like you did the Falcon game or the Bengal game? Go out and smack Christian McCaffrey on his first couple of touches. Let him know that your defense means business. And it'll change everything and, and could put everything in the, you know, the positive for you. Uh, look, you should be able to score points here. There's no excuse if you don't. Uh, for Pete Smith, uh, for me, per- uh, follow Pete Smith over there, guys. He, fantastic work. He had a couple articles a week. But, you know, Pete's doing draft work, current team work, you know, uh, head coaching stuff. Pete's covering you every which way over at NFL Spin Zone. The Locked on Browns Twitter account, guys. It's the best way for you guys to get in touch with me. So uh, follow that. We always keep that a follow back account. Follow me at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. I appreciate everything, guys. I, I do my best to answer every single question you bring my way. Uh, iTunes, ratings, reviews. Whatever uh, app you use, make sure you're subscribed. Download every show, guys. I appreciate everything you guys do for me. Until we talk the next time, which will be the post-game show, LGB on the LOB. Let's go Browns.